Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. There's like a few people who sort of like came into my life at the right time and were like, hey, you're gay. Go. You're one of those people. So thanks for that little push that you probably didn't know. I you know that. But yeah, like, I didn't know that, but love it. I love this for us. Being gay is the best, especially when you're gay. The more transparent you show up, the more that you're leading with your values, you will have better clients. They're a better fit and that you want to work with, which ties into that best life of being able to do what you want, when you want, with whoever you want, for as long as you want. Hey everyone, Meredith here. You are listening to the Afternoon Snack Podcast. Today, we have our good friend, mentor, and dare I say, soulmate, Dr. Shante Cofield, aka the movement maestro, on the show. Shante is a physical therapist turned entrepreneur. After about three years working as a PT, she decided, screw that, I don't like it, and went after what makes her happy, which is ultimately helping other people chase their happiness through social media and brand coaching. She has a real talent for content and connection, so her success in this area comes as no surprise. She has been an amazing resource for us and genuinely one of our favorite people. In this episode, we talk a little bit about her background and her career shift, setting yourself up to strive, why change is hard, and how to build your dream life. You can find her on Instagram at the Movement Maestro and on her podcast, Maestro on the Mic. We really, really enjoyed recording this episode. It could have been so much longer than it is. So we hope that you enjoy listening to it. And we're live. Welcome to the show. Shante Cofield. Thanks for having me, homies. I told you, I felt like I was like getting asked to prom when you asked me to be on it. I was like, uh, me? Moi? Yes, you. Definitely not playing hard to get. I know. For every five podcasts that <laughs> we are with you on your podcast, you can be on ours once. You know what? I'll take it. You just made that rule up. I did. It I was... mean, but when you do the math, though, you're at what? Over 500 episodes on yours? Yes. Yeah. And we're like 100 and so the ratio is the same. There you go. I think we're good. We'll just start doing it more often. <laughs> I think we're good. Yeah. But yes, I was truly honored. I was like, dude, this is this is a big deal. So yeah, thank you, both of you. We have so much in common philosophy wise and lifestyle wise, even though like you live in like a warm, sunny place and we live in a cold, snowy place. I could actually like hang my head out the window right now and look at snow. It's here. It's coming. Lots of parallels. And you've been kind of a, a mentor and a voice for us. Yeah, which we'll talk about. But I thought that it would be a fun way to start the episode by doing just jumping in to some rapid fire, very random icebreaker questions. Let's do it. I'm here for it. There's no theme here. So I'll I'll do one. And then Alex can do one. And then we'll alternate until we get to like 30. And then we'll move on. Um, <laughs> okay, question number one. If you were stuck on a deserted island and you can only bring one of us, me or Alex, to be your deserted island homie, who would you bring? And before you answer that, know that I won't go with you if you did ask. Well, in that case, Ivy. Next question. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> obvious. And also, I'm like, I have like, I have a higher utility rating. My survival score would be And it's be not you. It's just like deserted island. You know, I'd rather stay here. Alex, do you think I'm trying to be there? I watch those shows. 
And I'm like, no, you don't understand how deserted Isle. You don't get to make the decision. You're just there. You're there. Yeah, I get it. But anyways. Still. All right, Alex, do number two. What is your most illogical fear or phobia? Getting arrested. Really? I don't want to go to jail. It's like number one is that I'm going to get arrested and go to jail. I'm a rule follower through and through. But Dare worked on me. I was like, if you even think about smoking a cigarette, you're going to go to jail. That's my fear. Isn't that crazy? Mine's like getting in trouble. Yeah. Like not even going to jail. Like if I just get like, we got a dirty look at the dog park the other day and I was like really affected. I understand. You feel that inside of your body. Yeah. I get it. Mine is stubbing my toes. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I have this busted toe, I understand, Meredith. Mm -hmm. It's actually quite dramatic. Yeah. It's like new fear unlocked. Thank you for that. <laughs> Okay, what is your biggest fashion trend regret? Biggest fashion trend regret. You know what? My biggest regret is not necessarily that I wore something. It's that I got rid of all my Doc Martens because they are back and I actually just bought a new pair and they have tassels and I love them. And I was like, I can't believe I got rid of the old ones. I got rid of them because I was moving across the country and, you know, those shits are heavy. And I was like, I can't take this with me. And I regret getting rid of them. That's fair. Big time. Mine would be like uh, Sperry's, like boat shoes. Yeah, boat shoes. Yeah. They're deadly. You might fall. There's zero grip on those. Horrible. I would never wear those on a boat. No, like instant death. Alex, you'd have to have fashion to have regrets, but I'm, I am curious. <laughs> She's like, long hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair. I don't know. I don't even know what Doc Martens are. That's where I'm at. No, really? Are they- What? Alex, are they- What? Shoes or pants? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they're like big clunky boots like Lindsay has a oh, white pair of them are they pants gotcha. <laughs> yeah pants <laughs> well you said tassels I'm like I don't know <laughs> they have tassels like tassels on the shoe that's fair though That's uh, <laughs> alright there's Alex's fashion sense summed up in a sentence pants? <laughs> honestly I really and this wasn't uh, I don't know like the real, real bell-bottomy Lululemon pants. Yes. I was big into those. Why? Oh, I feel like it was the thing. It's like- It was like they replaced <laughs> jeans and I'm like really into comfort and I was like, thank goodness. Like I'm embracing these. Is it like, cause every time you went outside, you just wanted water to like creep up your leg? Exactly. <laughs> <That's>, what? <laughs> it's awful. You wanted like eventually the back of them would just wear out. Yeah. So like a fraying. That so bad. Uggs were a big thing too. And those talk about zero grip. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was big into Uggs and I lived in Alaska. Horrible snow boots. <laughs> I mean, your feet are warm. But you're falling down. Feet are warm, wrists are broken. Yeah. <laughs> warm feet, broken wrists. That should be the, the tagline for Uggs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I'll do number four. It's a really simple question. You can probably answer it with one. Like... One word, hot dogs or tacos? Tacos. Yeah, that's the right I mean, answer. in any, I don't care if this is a, a metaphor or if that's actually the food, we're talking about food. Both answers are tacos. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. I haven't had a uh, hot dog in years. Okay, but I like, and I don't, this is not a metaphor. <laughs> no, it's not. But it also could be. <laughs> but I also, I want to say, I want to say this, and I don't want you to run away with it. I grew up on hot dogs, and I like, he's like nasty. <laughs> that is also a metaphor. No it could need be. to run away. A lot Just of people, people grew up think. on hot dogs and didn't realize that they were actually a bigger fan of tacos. Yeah. And that hot dogs are actually just disgusting. <laughs> yeah. It's like a big, fat, misshapen taco with like bad meat in it. Uh, 
Like what you want instead of a soggy bun is a crispy handmade corn shell with like minced meat. Okay, I will argue that Smokies and like sausages are actually pretty good. Smoky? Like the little ones? Smokies? No, Smokies. They're like sausages, but not. Mm. They're basically sausages, but like we call them Smokies. This feels Canadian. It might be. Yeah, I'm going to say this is a local thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll give you it. Alex, if you could listen to one song, only one song for the rest of your life, what would the song be? Billy Carrington, Good Directions. I'm a country fan through and through. I knew that was gonna, it was going to be a country song, and that's a good country song. Yeah. I like me a good story. Yeah. And that would be it. I miss him. I wonder what he's doing. I feel like he's he got some music. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I need to listen, country to, need to, listen to more country music. Okay. Wait, I don't get to hear your answers? Well, okay, Alex. <laughs> oh, geez. I mean, any song, I'm like, I'm not a music person either. I should just leave this podcast. Yeah. I don't know. There was like one duet song that Mel from the Spice Girls did with that guy, Kid Rock. Uh, what? What? Kid <laughs> Rock and Mel from the Spice Girls. <laughs> yeah, what? we know those people. They did a duet. Okay. Are you going to look it up for Kid us? Kid Rock and Mel. Exactly. I'm like, Mel from the Spice C. Girls. Wait, what? Sporty Spice you're saying? Yeah. The only one that matters. Well, I like Mel B. I like Scary Spice. A lot of attitude there. Those are my two favorite for sure. Yeah. It's called, oh, geez. You know what? I may be completely off I base don't here. think that. I've never heard of it. Are this. you sure it's it's not like the Cheryl Crow duet with Kid Rock? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. But Cheryl I Crow and Kid Rock? Picture? Yeah, it might be. That feels okay. like, I feel like you just mixed up Cheryl Crow and Mel C. <laughs> you can this. never leave this podcast. <laughs> okay, I had a crush on both of them, so it's fine. Yeah, all right. So we're going to. Yeah, it's, it's Cheryl Crow. Yes, it is. Of course it is. I'm I am like <laughs> actually shook at the fact that you just mix those two human beings. I'm up. leaving. Goodbye. <laughs> that is so upsetting. I didn't even want to ask that question for this exact reason. But you had time to prepare because you knew what it was. You knew the question. I didn't think you were going to ask it back at me. You have to always be prepared for reciprocal <laughs> asking okay. back of questions. Yeah, I do like that song. It never gets old. I go through phases with songs. It's hard to pick one. Like if I had to pick one right now, probably Silver Springs by Fleetwood Mac because it's such a mood, just like angry woman mood. Not that I'm like an angry woman, but <laughs> except you are. Sometimes I get in moods and I listen to that song and it makes it worse. And just You just put it on and like go type to the trolls. Yeah, exactly. And for it. It's inspiration <laughs> uh, in the background. Anyways, I don't know. I feel like you could do a whole podcast of like icebreaker questions. You can tell a lot about a person. About Agreed. That's, this is a fun. This is a fun one. I like it. No one's done this. And I've been on a lot of podcasts and no one's done this. Not in the front. Not like to start off the podcast. They do but it like, like at this. the end. And I'm at like, no, end. no, no. Mm -hmm. You need to do it at the beginning. It's better yeah. than a bio, I think. Yeah. Bios are so like sterile. It's like I'm, you know, this person. Here are all my credentials. Here are all the cool things I've done. I'm here for kicking it off with tacos versus hot dogs. <laughs> we can talk about that. That is, we are here to talk about you and like not just taco talk. Although we might get into taco talk again later. We're here to talk about your brand, you as a human being and kind of like your evolution. I remember meeting you, I think like 2016 around that time, 2016, 2017. To have over at CrossFit Games. I know. Yeah, I think that was when we met in person. We were definitely like interacting online before that. And it's kind of one of those things like, I think when we met, started interacting, I was definitely still in like a straight relationship. 
And you were like, and you weren't like, I don't like outwardly. It wasn't like, oh my God, she's so gay. But like you were. And anyways, <laughs> yes, I, I just have to like this. Yeah. There's like, you know, a few people who sort of like came into my life at the right time and were like, hey, you're gay. Go. <laughs> you're one of those people. So thanks for that little push that you probably didn't know. I didn't you know that. But that yeah. I was like, I didn't know that, but love it. I love this for us. I know. I, this I know. Being gay is the best, especially when you're gay. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that's the teaser. <laughs> yeah. There, there it is. <laughs> Take us back to the beginning. Where did you start? Like, like what, where, where, tell us. Sure. I think the beginning for many of us is sports and like just being good at them and enjoying them and finding community in them and finding friends in them and finding ease with them. And so for me, soccer was always the main thing, but played, you know, did all the sports, did all the things. And in the back of my mind was also like, I want to be an orthopedic surgeon. Like I want to be a doctor. I think a lot of us that kind of end up in physical therapy have that initial, like, I want to be a doctor. I like orthopedics because you like sports. I like to like work with your hands, put things together, see how they work. But I went down the PT route because I was like, I don't know if I want to be like in the old white boys club trying to make it as an orthopedic surgeon. Um, but I got exposed to PT, like many athletes do, by getting injured. I tore my ACL when I was 15. And that like kind of set me down the path of like, oh, this other thing exists. So went to PT school, became a PT, basically hated it, uh, found social media because of CrossFit, actually. So I was, run I was running. I used to run. I'm, I'm built like Jiminy Cricket. For those of you that can't see me, I'm literally built like Jiminy Cricket. I should not be doing CrossFit, really. But <laughs> was running the marathon. When I say the marathon, I mean the New York City marathon. So I was training for that, kept running by CrossFit box. A lot of my patients and clients were doing CrossFit. So after I was done running, I was like, let me kind of like dabble in this CrossFit thing because it looked fun. And I also wanted to learn more just because of what my patients were doing. So found CrossFit, wanted to get better at it. From that, actually found social media and was just like, I want to learn more about this. How come that person who looks like that can do that thing and I can't do that thing? Like, what do you mean? So from that, found you know, Wad Doc at the time found K-Star and was like, I could do this. I'm, I'm By this time, I'm five years into being a PT. I understand movement. I understand mobility. I was like, I can make content, but not because I was trying to have a brand. I was just like, I want to meet people and share my ideas. So started putting out content and through that found Rock Tape and ultimately went on to become a Rock Tape instructor. And that's how I met you, right? Became an instructor. They sent me to the to the CrossFit Games because um, I had a social media social media presence. I was like really, really into rock tape and into teaching and found my passion more so with teaching than I did with actually treating physical as a physical therapist. From there, it was just basically continued with this, what I call a life of exclusion, meaning I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I definitely knew what I didn't want and just worked to cut things out of that of like, I don't want to live where it's cold. I'm like actually offended by some of the stories you post. Like, that <laughs> looks terrible, but I love it for you. So, you know, I ended up moving across the country. I didn't want to treat. I don't like treating. I'm very good at treating. I don't like treating. I love assessment. So worked to cut that out and started teaching more was leaning more into social media and just meeting people and wanted to stop traveling, right? 2020, I wanted to stop traveling. And, and 2020 was like, here you go. You don't have to travel anymore. And really moved my business into the helping other movement professionals with their businesses and kind of leaned into that. And that's basically where I'm at today, just crossing things off the list that I don't like, making space for things that I do like, and then leaning into the things that I that I do like. Yeah. I remember you were at some point, maybe 20... 
2017, 2018, you told me this like grand plan that you had. You're like, no, no, no. So I'm going to do a bunch of traveling, but then the traveling's going to stop. Yeah, done. And yeah, <laughs> then I completely forgot that COVID kind of correlated with that stop. But you're kind of like us, like you were set up when COVID happened. You already online. All of the infrastructure was there. There was no pivoting that was required. You're like, oh, so I just do the thing that I was planning on doing anyways. It was really, you know, you don't want to say something good came out of it, but it did. Like, to be completely honest, like good things did come out of 2020, despite the fact that there, you know, we can hold both things, despite the fact that there was a lot of bad stuff. But I had been doing coaching of sorts with the business side, just not front facing. So it's kind of like if, you know, if we're talking about uh, California and In-N-Out Burger and it's like off the menu. So was doing this kind of coaching and helping people because I, whenever I would go teach in person, the person that would bring me in to teach would inevitably invite me out to dinner. And it got to the point where I would, we would sit down and I'd be like, so you want to leave your job? Let me, let me guess. And seeing people that they just want their happy, just want to be happy because they'd be like, I want to do what you do. And I'm like, no, you don't. Because you have a family and like you're not trying to do this, but I'm happy and you want that, whatever that happiness looks like for you. So was doing this kind of coaching and the, and helping people move into the digital space before, and, like, since 2015 probably. And then COVID hit and I was just like already making that pivot. I had started it. I had started in 2018 and was just like, OK, now I can help other people do it. And I it's fine to, quote unquote, burn the ships because... I already have safety created by this other job and with this other means of, of income and just kept going with it. Yeah, I think a lot of people struggle with like the sunk cost kind of two decisions and where they get to in life. And so it makes burning the boats feel really scary. Was that ever a thing for you? Or you just you're like, nope, you kind of trust in your work ethic and your ability to figure things out? That last part there, you know, I during COVID, we saw it, and I saw it firsthand at Rock Tape. So I, quote-unquote, retired from Rock Tape in 2020. I've been doing it for five years. I was a lead instructor there. I loved it. And so when I stepped back, I stepped, I stepped back at the same time as Perry Nicholson. He's, like, just the godfather. Like, I love that man so much. And Allison asked us to each give a talk during the, like, final call. Because the call wasn't even in person. Uh, the final meeting wasn't even in person because we were, it was, all, it was COVID. So one of the things that I had seen a ton was Seth Godin just saying, playing it safe is risky. Playing it safe is risky. And that's what I said to them. I was like, playing it safe is risky. I am watching as people who have been with this company for years from the beginning, they're getting furloughed because the company had been bought. And so now there's a different boss. And I'm like, I get it. There's this quote unquote safety. But to me, I'm like, that is risky as hell where your livelihood and your ability to work and find work is dependent on somebody else. And so for me, kind of going into the entrepreneurial space at some point felt much safer because I was like, I'm in control and I will trust myself to handle the outcome to figure it out 12 out of 10 times. In the same vein, I set myself up for that by working and saving money. Like I did a job that paid. I had a steady, you know, quote, steady job as a physical therapist. I went into physical therapy because I know I'd always have a job. If zombie apocalypse happens, which I do not want to survive, but like, let's say that I do survive that, still would have a quote unquote job because I have this skill set that will always be useful. And so that was very much my a large part of the, the reason I went into physical therapy. So there wasn't a fear with because I didn't burn the ships. Like, I don't actually love that as an approach where people are like, I'm just going to go and leap. I'm like, I need like maybe two or three safety nets there. Then I will gently put my toe out over the edge. And so I'm all about giving things the time that it takes to build those safety nets. And then with the sunk cost fallacy, I think the only thing that I've experienced with that was the fact that I went to physical therapy school and that's really expensive and you come out with a lot of debt. 
But the flip side is, I was like, I can either use this degree in some way to do other stuff, or I can just sit here and be like, I have to use this degree directly and really be truly stuck. So I used it to, again, create that safety net and become a, a rock tape instructor. And I had all the letters and I could navigate because of that. I was younger, but I had the letters behind my name. And then at some point I was like, it's time to move forward because if I am like, oh, but I spend so much on school, I would literally be stuck in that position forever doing something that I absolutely hated. And like we said earlier, it was my journey has been one of like exclusion. Get rid of the stuff that you hate. Yeah. I mean, I've watched The Walking Dead. I think that if anyone would benefit from a PT, probably zombies. <laughs> so I think you're safe there. I think even though we don't both wear Doc Martens, we have a lot in common. I tore my ACL when I was 15 too. I didn't go to PT school, but I like what you said about how I've always viewed a job like a nine to five or something in a law firm in my world as like very secure. And I've seen my parents kind of move around a little bit in different law firms or different corporate jobs as lawyers. And they're in my mind, it's like that is a sat security. But actually, now that you put it that way, I guess having my own business and being able to like go in different directions is a real form of security. Like I'm in control of that. And it, it, you have to believe in your skill set. And I think I believe a lot in like what Meredith and I have together, but I've never really thought of it like that. And that was, it's helpful. And it's like, I don't know, change, it's really, it's amazing how you can change your perspective on something just by hearing it. It's been definitely a, a game changer for me because I, I do remember being on the other side of that and like going through school and you go through college and you go to grad school and you really think that that's I like that you use the word security and safety because they're different. And I think that's like very, very important. I think one of the big things there, too, is that you can always go back. That is a really cool thing to me that worst case scenario, you go back to being a lawyer. Like that's actually a pretty, <laughs> pretty great fallback, right? And like worst case scenario, we know that kind of the happiness factor and things like that. But like when it comes to securing resources, because that's ultimately what we're thinking about with kind of from a safety perspective as well, like we could go back if we if we wanted to. But yeah, definitely for me, the safest bet at this point in my life and for the however, you know, past 10 years or so is, is betting on myself. Yeah. It's like, it is, it's funny, you could go back, like worst case scenario, you go back. And so there's this thing where it's like, you know, you buy into something or you put all your eggs in one basket or what's the, what's the other phrase? Like complete buy-in or something, whatever it is. You're doing well. Anyways, with us, like, you know, owning a small business with the fact that we both have these like very solid career fallbacks or all three of us do like you are going all in but you know you have that safety net but at the same time that didn't prevent me from actually going all in because i really 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 didn't want to go back to being a lawyer like that was truly like that was a pretty bad case in my mind i was like i really don't want to do that at least not right now and so it's like, I'm going to put everything I have. And when you choose something that you're really passionate about, it's very easy to go all in. It's just like, you're, you know, you find more time to do this job. It doesn't even feel like work. Whereas before it was like, just, yeah, a lot. I think that's a really cool, like, I have like a really cool image in my mind where the safety net is also like the impetus for change, which is really cool because you can hold both, right? Where that's exactly what I was like. Like I would get the Sunday scaries on Friday. I was like, it's time to get back to work soon. It's Friday. It's That's almost it. Monday. I was like, like miserable on the weekends because I was like, I'm, I have to start a new week soon. It's coming back. 
it's coming back <laughs> around. And I was like, oh my gosh. But I have I, like trauma that, driving near the building I worked in. Dude, I get it. Yes. I had came to the point with with work because PTs have this really they're not the best at business. They have this really stupid approach of this thing called like an alternating schedule where you work like Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the mornings and Tuesday, Thursday and afternoon shift, which means that like your schedule is just trash. So you'll work from like seven to three on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then like eleven to eight or whatever, some some numbers like that. Or, you know, eleven to eight, we'll say eleven to seven on Tuesday, Thursday. So you leave work at like eight thirty on Tuesday night, and then you have to be at work at 6.30, is in five minutes later. Just literally trauma from walking to the subway and being like, oh, I, I can remember listening to Adele. I can't even listen to the, that song. I was listening to Adele in the rain, walking with my stupid little umbrella because you have to walk everywhere in the city. And I was like, this is the worst. When you're thinking like, and Meredith, you probably feel this too, is to some degree, it's like, when you're wondering like, is it better that I just sleep here at work? <laughs> that. That's maybe the sign you shouldn't, do that job I, if you want to have a life outside of work. I slept under my desk one time. <laughs> I did do that. So I get it. You factor in the travel time, the, like the subway is not running express now. It's going to take even longer. I literally have to be back here in five minutes. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to stay. <laughs> I, I mean, guess. I do know people who love their jobs so much that like the idea of sleeping at work excited them. But like, like the difference you. is I it's was not, not that person. And it doesn't it's sound like you me. were either. Mm-mm. I'll sleep at work now because I work from home and I'm like, great. Mm -hmm. I'll totally take, take a, a nap. <laughs> <laughs> the other day, that's the dream. The other day, Alex is like, I don't know how people get things done who don't work from home. Like, when do they do laundry on the weekends? And I was like, yeah, it's so convenient. So I'm like, I get up, I do laundry. Yes. Like, you can take these like five Everything. minute breaks and get stuff done. And like, I don't know, not like Dude. I'm like not working. I still work. But there's no, but you can do things when other people aren't doing things as well. So like you have short hair now. So I don't know if you get haircuts more frequently than you used to, but I get haircut haircut like every two weeks. So it is really nice to go on Tuesday, not on Saturday at like 1030 a.m. That's it. It's great. When I go a place in the week and there's like a lineup, I get mad. I'm like, this is I'm not like, what, is what I signed up for. Yeah. Don't these people have jobs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we if we do end up going to the grocery store sometime on the weekend this is so brutal but if there's like an older person who's like meandering around alex is like what are they doing here <laughs> i'm like you, but you should go out on like a tuesday come on man like you definitely don't uh, have a job wrong. <laughs> maybe they just like being around young folk i will say like we definitely do have more flexibility on the weekends yeah for sure but like I can get I mean, things that's what done it comes during down the to. week. It comes down to choice, right? At the end of the day, it's not a specific lifestyle. It's that you are in control of things and you have choice and you have options. When that gets taken away, that becomes problematic. That's why money is important. Like people want to like, not talk about it. I'm like, but money gives you options. Money mm -hmm. gives you choices. Like that's at the end of the day, what I think everyone wants. What they end up choosing is going to look different. You folks chose the cold. I definitely didn't, but like it's about having that that those options. Yeah. How did so earlier you talked about I think in the early phase like you were okay with basically taking the time that it took to get your brand and your business where it was. So I guess talk a little bit about what that patience was or or you know how it plays into success generally and then for you. I didn't I didn't think about it as being patient because that almost implies that there was like a known outcome or a known destination. So I will say for folks that are like right now trying to create an online brand or a business and like that, like you have more things to compare yourself to. And so I get where that 
kind of urgency can come from, but urgency is definitely going to be the enemy. And I quote Meredith probably every day about this, of have expectations of effort, not outcome. Because as soon as you're focused on that thing, it feels like it takes forever. So for me, I was enjoying the other stuff I was doing in the meantime. I built this brand by accident. That wasn't my goal. I wasn't like, I'm going to be the movement maestro. I didn't even like the name maestro, but <laughs> movement mechanic was taken. And I was like, well, this is an M. We're going with it. And hopefully I can teach people how to spell it. You don't strike me as a movement mommy. So <laughs> no, no. Thought about it for a second and I was like, no. Crossed it off. <laughs> <laughs> Crossed it off. So there was no patience because I was working, I was focused on the things I was currently doing. I was focused on getting rid of the things I didn't like, setting myself up with from like a safety perspective of like, I know I need money. So like, what work do I want to be doing to get money and secure this as a resource? And then it made, it came time to you know, kind of like go all in on the brand. It was a no brainer and also kind of just like happened because it was right there. And this other thing, I wasn't happy with it anymore. And I had set myself up in a place, in a position to be able to go all in on the on the brand, you know, financially, because I had been doing, you know, working with Rock Tape and had had secured, we'll say, resources from that. So there wasn't a, there wasn't intentional patience. It was just focusing on the present moment. But for those of you that like are starting now, like I literally, as Meredith, I think you, I quote you every day, at least once a day. And it's, the truth is have expectations of effort, not outcome. Focus on what's going on right now. And suddenly you're going to look up and be like, oh, this is the thing I want to be doing. Yeah. I mean, I love that. I don't even remember where that quote came from or like what the context was originally when I said it, but it's such a, like we obviously use it all the time too. And it's such a, you know, it applies everywhere in every aspect of your life, I think is the work is the shortcut. That's all there is. I really love the way that you, both of you share that message. Like, I don't know, people love to make things more complicated than they are because then it gives them something, something else to focus on than like the, just doing the work. But I love the the messaging that you two put out on Tactic. And it's just like, do the thing. The answer, the solution is just do the thing. The work that you're avoiding, that's what you got to do. Just go do it. Yeah. Simple. That's it. Kind of on that note, you kind of touched on it with your dream life. And like, I guess you mentioned having choices. But you are very open with having your dream life. And we were wondering how you define your dream life. I would say to me, it is the ability to do what I want, when I want, with whoever I want for as long as I want. Like if you need, like, you know, when people are like, what's the exact thing? I'm like, well, clearly it's living here, but living with palm trees, that's like the biggest thing. I need warm weather. I'm grossly affected by the weather. But it is the ability to do what I want, when I want with whoever I want for as long as I want. And I like what Meredith said earlier about kind of things changing and what you want to do, what you want to be doing changing. And so like the ability to go and fly home when I want and the ability to be able to fly out to Vegas if I'm like feeling like that or the ability to like not work. I'm like, mm, I don't really want to do that today. So I'm not going to like that to me is the dream life or the ability to be like, I'm staying up all night and I have a partner that supports that. And isn't going to be like, but what are you doing? But what about me? Like, could do whatever I want. And that for me is also why I will never have kids. Yeah. So I have two follow-up questions. One, it's more of a statement, but it's like, I think for you, doing what you want whenever you want for however long you want. Also, like you have to have a pretty decent work ethic and also love what you do because otherwise... 
you know, maybe your dream life would look very, like if someone, there's like, there has to be a balance of like work and play, but there's like a flexibility. You know, a lot of people maybe would think of like doing what they want when they want to do it. Like what if they wanted to play video games all day kind of thing? That wouldn't really be conducive to like being able to do what they want because they wouldn't have money kind of. So it's, there's like a balance. Totally. And I think that you can like really dive into that. And we, we tend to view things in terms of our own experiences and our own lenses. And so for that person, maybe that person has no furniture and they just live in a single room and like, that's fine because all they want to do is play video games. And so they're just like, this is all I want. If the person's like, but I want a big house, then I'm like, then you got to do what it takes to get a big house so you can play the video games inside that house. So, you know, that ties into radical responsibility of like, I want this thing and I'm taking responsibility for the things I want, for the outcomes of my choices. And I'm going to go after this thing that I want. So I, yes, I love that you bring that up and like highlight the things that are prerequisites, we'll say, in order to to have that outcome. I would say on the flip side of that is that we have to take a pause and be like, understand what exactly it is that people want. Like my brother really likes going to festivals. And I was like, immediately, no, that is a no for me. But that's where he wants to spend his money. And so for me, I'm like, I wouldn't make that choice. And I wouldn't work to do those things. But like, he's like, I like doing that. And he's willing to, you know, forego some of these things so that money and time can go into these other things. So I, I think that the the big take home with that is hard work or being being willing to take responsibility for your the, your choices, for the outcomes of your choices and doing whatever it takes to get that thing you want is a prerequisite for your best life, whatever your best life looks like. Yeah. And it's cool that like what gives you your best life or allows you to do those things or have the money to do them is something that brings you like fulfillment and joy a lot of people have money and they have flexibility and they can do what they want but they hate their job and so it's like is that truly your dream life i guess my follow-up question to that sometimes and i'll start with how i feel and then you can tell me what you think sometimes i feel i love my life i feel like i'm living my dream life i'm like i can do what i want when i want for as long as i want i have you know money to go and travel and do things i love my job i love getting up in the morning I have a lot of self-love. I feel really good about where I'm at as a person. I've put in a lot of work with our relationship, all those things. But part of me feels really bad almost about like being open with that. And like you're very open with it. And I'm like, how does she do that? Like I feel bad. And I don't know if it's because I work very personally with a lot of people who struggle in their life that I almost feel bad. Like it's almost rubbing it in their face. And I actually had a client once like tell me like they couldn't work with me anymore because they didn't like seeing my life they didn't like listening to the podcast she, they, she didn't like follow me on instagram because it made her feel bad on, about her life and so like i'm very kind of careful about how i share that but i'm also like why do i have to like hide my happiness you know what i mean when like i'm not intentionally trying to make someone feel bad i'm just really happy and i put in the work for it and i've gotten lucky and all those things but like i guess do you feel any sort of like i don't know self-consciousness about that I have so many thoughts about this. And one, I will always, just out of the bat, I will always champion for folks who are identified as female, who are raised and socialized female. I will always champion them sharing their joy because guess what? People are going to think you're a bitch regardless. So you might as well <laughs> lead with your joy and attract other people that want you to celebrate your joy. And it also gives people, it gives them permission to celebrate their joy. Women are told, you know this, you work in the field. Women are told, be smaller, be less, hide, say less. That's why you feel bad about it. I never met a man that was like, I feel bad about being happy. Like, do you, John? Do you? And this is why you're one of our mentors. <laughs> do you feel bad? Because I don't think you do. But women do because society forever has told them, be less, 
feel bad. And I also think that society really loves to champion the struggle and is like, you have to basically earn happiness. I believe that the reason that we are on earth, I believe the reason that we are here is to experience joy, period. I don't know what that joy looks like. For some people, it's going to be working a million hours. For some people, it's going to be like, I just want to sit. Good for you. <laughs> it's going to be different for everybody. I love this. So yes, I understand where that guilt comes from. But I will also say that you hiding it doesn't actually help anyone. It doesn't actually move anyone forward. It doesn't actually like truly move someone towards their joy. Because if they are getting joy out of seeing you suffer, we already know that that's like a, a limiting thing, right? That is comes from a place of whatever, but that is not going to be something that's like um, sustainable in terms of this is going to ultimately continue to like really expand and bring this person joy, right? So one, yes, I hear that. Two, it typically comes because society has told you forever that you shouldn't want these things or you shouldn't share these things. And, you know, people don't support women. Women don't support women. So you're going to have people that say like, who do you think you are? That's on them. I actually really commend the fact that your client was like, I, this is not bringing me joy. This is not good for me. Cool. She was European and, and they're more honest, I find. <laughs> <laughs> that. <laughs> Just here's the truth. I'm like, amazing. I also believe that when someone gets to a point where they're truly happy, that won't trigger them anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm all about go ahead, remove those barriers that you need to go and work on these things so that you can be okay with other people experiencing joy. I think we come from a society that really teaches us zero sum, right? Yes, I, we come from athletic backgrounds and in sports, it is zero sum, but like divorce the two folks, like life and sport, there's a lot of overlaps, but there's also like differences. There are There is enough to go around as it relates to happiness, but no, if we're playing, I'm trying to win. This is zero sum. We're not both winning here. Like both things can be true. So I definitely have had instances where I'm walking in the middle of the day. I love to go for walks in the middle of the day and it's sunny here and it's warm. And I will have a moment where I feel bad because I want everyone to experience what I experience, whatever that looks like for them, whatever that happiness is. And the way that I combat that, so the action item here is that I express gratitude and I'll go on my stories and be like, I am just so grateful for all the things that have come into play. And yeah, you nailed it. Like, yes, there is a luck component. I'm lucky as hell to be born here. Yes, my luck, like I can't change that. We can talk about privilege as well. It's not that I'm trying to get rid of it, it's like acknowledge it. And then as it relates to privilege, I know this is kind of like a little bit of a tangent, but as it relates to privilege, privilege doesn't give us a responsibility to do something. It gives us an opportunity to do something, right? You get to choose what you do with that. So in those moments where I'm like, I feel bad that other people can't have this, then one, I start off by expressing gratitude. And then two, it's like, what can I do to help other people experience this, this happiness, whatever that looks like for them? And whether that's showing up on social or donating money or donating time or whatever that looks like, I lean into that. Yeah, I like that. What you said about privilege. And I think I've asked you this question before, like what leads some people to strive more than others? And I think we talked about that and kind of the safety net of privilege and feeling safe and having the means to do so. And yeah, that was a really good talk. Yeah, it is. Um, and I, I think like acknowledging it, I think so many people want to believe that they have what they have, whether it's the bodies that they're in or the work that they do or the, the money that they have simply because they're harder working. It's certain like that's not to, to negate the amount of effort and work that people do put in, but that's not the whole picture. No. Like it's no. it's hard work, but it's also like getting a little lucky and having yes. privilege in life. This it's all the things like acknowledge it. Ign ignoring it doesn't make it any like less true. 
All right. Just acknowledge it and then decide what you want to do with that. You don't have a response. I don't want to say you have a responsibility because like that tight, starts to bring in like shame and guilt and like you don't have responsibility to do shit. You have an opportunity. Yeah. And I think it keeps you off this like slippery slope of attaching like morality and goodness to achievements, which I is not okay. Yes, totally. That was a really good talk. I forgot about that one, Meredith. Yeah. That was really good. I think it was via text, wasn't it? I think so. I don't know. I don't remember the context. It, like it came up because I think I was so tired one day and I was like, Meredith, when does it stop? Like, when are we just like, okay with where we're at? Like, when do we stop like growing the business or like trying to be better athletes or, you know, getting faster at running or whatever it may be? Like, when do we stop? Because I'm like, I can't stop. And I don't think you're stopping, but I'm like, why not? What's the difference between us and someone else? Like, is it inherent? Is it how you're brought up? And like Meredith and I have very different upbringing. So it's like, we were just trying to get to the bottom of it. And I think she was like, one sec, <laughs> texts you. <laughs> I know someone who will have a well-informed opinion. Yeah, that was a really, really good combo. I forgot about that. There's so many, fa- so many things that go into that. I know. So many things that go into that. But I think the other side of that is that like leaning on the things that we do have control over because people will also default to the things that we don't and point at that and then be like, okay, well, that's your choice. For me and for Meredith and for Alex, we tend to lean on the things. What do I have control over? What do I have a say in? And like, okay, I'm going to go, there's my action item. We have, um, I work with a lot of people who complain about their jobs, which like, I think with every job, there's a downside. There's something to complain about in most jobs. In mine, there are for sure. Like, but you just, you hope that the pros outweigh the cons. I think what is frustrating is when I see someone, and this isn't just clients, it's like friends too, who constantly are complaining about their circumstances, whether it's job, relationship, and they never do anything to change it. And I'm like, why aren't you looking for a new job? Like, why aren't you? Yeah, it's hard to like break up with someone, but like, it will make your life better. Like, what are you just going to stay with this person forever when they're not making you happy? Like, yeah, there are some circumstances you can't change, but there are a lot that you can change. And yeah, it's going to be hard for a while, but, you know, at least explore other options, have conversations like, but I think people, there's a lot of like, they don't realize maybe what is actually in their control. I don't know. I don't know what the sticking point is, but I think it's fear, right? Like we talked about safety before. At the end of the day, this is like my physical therapy background. When it comes to getting people to do something, when it comes to getting people to move through a pain experience, right? Because pain is an experience, it's not a thing, it's an experience. When, when we look at treating that, we understand that the nervous system is queen. Like Everything that your body does, that you do, that your nervous system does is to keep safe, to stay safe, even if it's, per, even if it's perceived safety. And so, you know, a familiar pain is way better than an unfamiliar, uncertain, I don't know what's on that side of it. And so like, yeah, this this relationship is terrible, but it's familiar. So That's it's fair. safe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay with that. Like, you know, you think about like you go walking into the woods. You're like, I know what's behind me. I feel better going that way. Like, you know, haunted. I'm not that I would ever go in a haunted house. I feel like it's apropos for this time of year. Like, I don't know why people are in that but i don't do those if we had to go in a haunted house i'm going out the entrance <laughs> like i'm not trying to be like i'm gonna go and see what else is there that's unfamiliar i don't know but i know it's behind me i know i can handle it and that's why people people stay stuck with things but that's when you know i think we all kind of got to that point with with work and such where you're just like the unfamiliar is less scary and i'll take that than this bullshit that's behind me of like i gotta go treat these patients i gotta go to work on this and like i hate it so much so i am a fan when when it comes to change to letting people i let them wait like i left the business of convincing a long time ago and i'm like when you hate it enough 
you'll change. And maybe that's not for 10 more years. And I wish that it would be faster for you, but your nervous system going to do what you and your nervous system do. And if you need 10 years to get to that point, then we give you 10 years. And when you're ready, I'll be here waiting to help you out. I had to tell a, a client the other day I that they were going to be done with coaching after a very short period of time. And they said, but I'm going to, can I come back? And I said, no, you can't. Not with me, you can't. And she said, well, why not? Like, why do you not think I'm a good candidate for coaching? Which weren't my words. But I, I struggled for probably over an hour with Meredith talking through, like, how do I, what do I say back? And it just came down to, like, I'm going to be honest because I feel like that's the best. And, like, gently honest. But it was like, I don't think that you're ready to make this change. And as a coach, as much as I want people to have what they want, like, I can't convince someone to change. It has to come from them. And once they're ready, I can help them, guide them into like, you know, what goals they want and what changes they want to make. I can't help them, like, I can't tip them over that part of the journey. They have to come ready. And I think, you know, most people do come ready or they're, they're only ready for a bit of change and that's something you can work with. But when someone is very resistant, they give you kind of like diary excuses, like things you can't argue with, you know, <laughs> this isn't good for my mental health. I'm like, okay. I, is that a Canadian phrase? That's Those are Meredith's words, like diary excuses. Like, I can't argue <laughs> with this. Like, you're putting me in a corner here. Like, I don't know how to help you. And I think, yeah, it comes down to like, it straight up was like, I don't, and I might be wrong, but I was like, I don't feel like you're ready. And I can't help that with you with that. Totally. So, I mean, you said the answer there of like, you want what you want them to have what they want, but it's not actually what they actually want. I experienced this with treating where I was yeah. like, these people, and this is not a guilt or a shame or like less than, I'm like, they don't actually want to get better. They think that they want to, or they should want to, but action expresses priority, right? Gandhi said, or I think he said priorities, but action expresses priority. If the action isn't there, you don't want it yet. And that's not going to make you a bad person. What you want is maybe the idea of it. But until you want the work, then you can't say that you definitely want this thing. And then that's why. That's why you're not a good candidate for PT right now or a good candidate for coaching right now. And again, it doesn't, people will just jump onto this like, what does it says about me as a human? I'm like, I'm less than and not worthy. And it's like, no, we're just saying, we're just identifying what you actually want. And there will come a time when you want something else or you want X, Y, and Z. And then you're going to be an amazing candidate because you're just like going to go and do the thing. Or things that you want more. And sometimes that's just what you know, the comfort. Yeah, it's very, I guess there's, there's, it's complicated and people have different reasons and stuff, but it does come down to that. And um, that, but that right there, it's complicated. I think that it's actually simpler than people want it to, to be because when we simplify it, then it's like, but oh shit, it's on me. And we don't want that. Like it, humans are complicated for sure. But like the reality I think is actually very, very simple. Yes, there's a lot of things that tie into it and you're not ready because like your life circumstances don't allow for it. And like, this is gonna make it really hard. And like, yeah, I get it. Yes, all of those things. But like the, the actuality of it and the reality of it, I think is actually quite simple. And when people get to that place, then we see change. Yep. You're a big fan of Seth Godin, like I am. Yep. And he's a big proponent of this sort of fear of failure and how that shows up for people. And really, I think what a lot of people want is they're obviously there's high motivation to be a changed person. Like people are motivated for progress, but they're not motivated for the work. Or a lot of times more specifically, they just want guarantees that what like that it will work. And there are no guarantees. <laughs> None. 
Make peace with it. I think that ties into though our conversation from earlier where when you can bet on yourself, you don't need the guarantee because you're like, I'll make it worth it. I think about social media and people are like, how do I know if it's worth it? I'm like, you won't. But also you could like make it worth it. Like change what your goal is, change what that outcome is that you're that you're thinking about, change what the metrics are that you're looking at. Like people like they have this one metric of I'm going to I want more followers. That's usually what it is. Followers and money. And I'm like, all right, cool. I don't know if it's going to be worth it because I don't know if you're going to get more followers. I don't know if you're going to make more money. But if you change it to I want to find out more about myself, I want to refine my messaging, I want to figure out the direction I want to go into, you can control that. And then suddenly this thing that you're doing is worth it. You can make it worth it even if you decide this ain't for me. That is so valuable because now you're going to have to try that thing anymore. Cross it off the list. Go over in that direction. Yeah. It's that practice of exclusion, which is like vital in figuring out what it is that you want to be doing. That's it. Keep crossing it off. Keep crossing it off. No guarantees, though. And I get that it's scary in the beginning, um, but it's like, you know, the muscle that you strengthen and suddenly you're like, I don't need the guarantee. I can trust myself to handle the outcome, right? Because that's confidence at the end of the day. Again, that's a nervous system thing. Like, it is not trusting yourself to do the thing. It's knowing that you can handle the outcome. You won't jump off of something because you're like, my leg will break, right? But if you kind of titrate yourself and you like are like, I did this height, I did this height, I did this height, suddenly your nervous system's like, okay, you're going to be okay because you trust yourself to handle the outcome of this thing. Or people that are just like, don't have that physical fear, whether that's like an actual like physiological thing, like what's his name that's like free soloing things. It's because he doesn't, the outcome of like falling down or dying, he's like, I trust myself, it's fine, I can handle that. Whereas I'm like, can't, and I will not do that thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> Staying right here. Yeah. No, yeah, there's that. like a like a phrase, like you win or you learn. And I think it's it's all about how sometimes you like articulate or put things in perspective based on the, out, like how like how you said, how you manage the outcome. And a lot of that is perspective. If it's like, well, I lost. I'm like, well, or I didn't lose weight. Well, what did you gain? Like, I don't know. Some of my clients realize like maybe being skinny isn't that important to me. And that's a win. That's mm -hmm. learning. So like you didn't lose the weight. You didn't achieve your initial goal. But like you learned along the way. You learned something very important about yourself and probably many other things. Maybe you learned you're not a very good texter. Anyway, but yeah, that's very valuable information, I think, for us and everybody else to hear. I think the reframe there is so so is so valuable as well because one of the one of the questions is we're on a podcast right now. One of the questions that I hate receiving is people will be like, oh, what was your biggest failure? And I'll be like, I never failed. Like it's subjective of like, how did you view this thing? Yes, if you go back to sports, you can like win or lose. I get it. But like then we can take those just that rule just for sports and then understand that in the rest of everything else, or you could, you know, fail a test because there's these absolute like did you pass this test on that scale? But you can totally take the other side of that and be like, I learned that I hate organic chemistry and it doesn't matter for me at all. doesn't matter. Failed that, but won everything else. Learned in life that that is not the route that I want to be going. So it is all about how you reframe things. And yes, I know we could take it to the complete other opposite end where people just like basically absolve themselves of responsibility. But like we could also just be reasonable and rational about it and be like, yes, reframe things, understand that you have agency here, you have choice, and go from there. Yeah. People are very willing to give up agency in their own lives. It's crazy. It is actually wild to me. And I get it. That it's something that they learned somewhere along the way that it brought them safety and was a mechanism that helped them get what they needed and to where they wanted. But it's just so foreign, right? Which is why we're like, I can't even imagine that. Which 
I don't have to imagine unless I start coaching someone and working with someone. That's when these discussions happen. I'm like, live your life however you want. But as soon as you enter my ecosystem and you start asking for help, now we have these things that we're going to be discussing and, you know, bringing up and deciding if things are a good fit because you've entered my reality, my ecosystem. And now we are now we're relating. Yeah. We were just talking about like alternate realities that clients have. And I think a lot of that it's like the word effort, like even Meredith's phrase, focus on effort, not outcome or whatever the exact wording was. I love any time that Alex is going to tell us a quote. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm like, what's okay, coming? What is it? What's, what's the coming? quote? Have expectations of effort, not outcome. Okay. Have expectations of effort, not outcome. Yeah. Here's my issue with that. And like when you use the word reality, it brought it up. Some people's effort, there's a, a different scale that they're using. <laughs> so like they can be like, I am really trying hard and they might be it's like way way down on the low effort scale on the actual scale of effort like on what is required for actual outcomes and it's very difficult to be like yes you're trying hard but like you're not doing what it, it takes those are conversations that are difficult to have with people when they truly believe like i am trying very hard i am doing exactly what you've told me when you're like you look at someone who's actually doing what you've asked them to do to get to their goals or guided them or recommended, and it's a completely different thing you're looking at. And it's it's like, how do you get someone to see your reality? It's difficult as a coach. Like, there's a, a gentle way, but you basically have to be like, look, you're not doing it. Yeah, not for your goals, right? It's like you nailed it in there of, of the effort that's required for the outcome that you desired. It's not don't have goals. Right. Because Meredith's phrase is have expectations of effort, not outcome. It's not saying don't have an outcome at all that you're not looking for. But if you're like, I at some point want to get there and we're going to get there by focusing on this. Well, that's going to take you 11 billion years. And that's if that's if you're OK with that, that's fine. because That's the effort that we're focusing on. I think that for all of us, we know that sport, I keep going back to that. That was the beginning of our story. It introduces a level of objectivity. Right. And weightlifting of all things. It just gives you set numbers and you understand like input and output. Okay, you want to get this thing. Well, then you got to do that thing, especially, especially when we do something like like weightlifting, where it is just you. When we start introducing competition and other people, you have to kind of get mixed with things. But like running, same thing. It's like you have to do this thing if you want that. And so for sure, working with athletes in my experience, and whether they're like on my team or actually working with them has always been easier because people understand what effort feels like, right? Because it comes from like a very physical place of expending that and being like, I have pushed and I have risked going too far. I know what these boundaries are. And some people just haven't been privy to that. But like you said, I think it's where we start going of, hey, this is your outcome that you want. This feeling, this effort, is what is required. You're still a good person for doing what you're doing. Like, I see that you're trying, but this is the reality. There's like maybe like a place for like subjective effort. Like, I see you're trying very hard. That's good. Maybe we should stay here until that feels easier because the actual effort is so far beyond what is feels hard for you now to get to your goals. Like, is it's not even in the realm right now. So it's like, but getting that person to understand, like, just because something doesn't feel hard doesn't mean you're entitled to results. It's so fun working with people, right? Because you get the spectrum. I know you have people on the other end of it. You're like, we got to do a little less. You 
are over there right now. And I think that's the fun part about coaching is like working with personalities and like, what do you actually need to work on? What does this person actually need in terms of guidance in order to get them the outcome that they want, right? I, I know that you folks love this and it's like the psychology of working with humans and what is actually, where are we? How, how does this journey look? How can I be a guide and what do I have to do as that guide? It's constant problem solving, <laughs> which is crazy. It's like I get to the end of the day after working like client facing days and I'm like exhausted. Like my brain hurts because like, you know, you're just how do I respond? What's the best? What's the dynamic here? I don't know. It's very it's very difficult work, but it's very rewarding. And you learn so much about people. You do. I think that for those folks listening, if we're thinking about, you know, building a brand, building an online business, this is where that authenticity piece, we haven't talked about it yet, but like it always comes up on like any podcast I do, it comes up. This is where that authenticity piece comes in because you will attract people that are easier to work with. If you are leading with your values, if you're leading with how you view things, yes, you will get some people that can be a bit challenging because they think they should want to be like you. They think they should want to like do things your way. And I'm like, that we don't. And I like, that's not actually it. But the more transparent you show up, the more that you're leading with your values, that's who you're going to attract and you will have better clients. They're a better fit, people that you can get a better result for and that you want to work with, which ties into that best life of being able to do what you want, when you want, with whoever you want for as long as you want. And that whoever ties into the people that you are working with and getting to choose that. Because I know when I was a staff PT, I was like, but I don't want that person on my schedule. <laughs> that is not what I want. Doesn't matter though. They're like, you have five of them and you're like, great. Great. Thank you so much. I'm going <laughs> to learn from this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Gosh, yeah, we've kind of covered so much in such a relatively short amount of time. Let's shift just briefly to talk about some of your changes recently. Physical change. You moved. You you are in a new house. Eight blocks away, though. Safety. Yeah. How is that? <laughs> it's eight blocks away. <laughs> yeah. It is amazing. The space is amazing. You know, the coolest part, Meredith and Alex, is that I moved and I didn't need to, I wasn't, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say I didn't need to move because I did need to move because there wasn't enough space. But going into that, I would have stayed in that apartment forever. I wasn't like, this place sucks. I hate it. I was like, this place is fine. I, I'm happy with it. It's two bedroom. Rupert is very happy. That's my cat, if you don't know. I had my gym downstairs. I built out a gym and I have a two car garage, had a two car garage and a parking spot, which is like very rare. And there's like an oversized two, garage, two car garage, not like the California two, ca two car garage. It's like barely one. So it was oversized. Everything fit. Built out the gym during COVID. And it's a great location. And I was like, I'm happy. I'm good. And then relationship status changed. And it didn't make sense to stay in that apartment. Also couldn't because Lex has a big ass dog. And my landlord was like, but you can't have dogs. And I was like, all right, that's fair. Very fair. We need a bigger space. So move to this place that's just phenomenal. First of all, it's three times the size of my last place. So my last apartment was about 800 square feet. This place is 2,400 square feet, which is like unheard of as well for, for Zocal. But it has an outside. We have three balconies. We have, you know, everyone has their own office. The animals have their own spaces. It's amazing. But coming from a place where, again, when there wasn't urgency, where I was like, I hate this thing. I have, to, I have to get out of here. It was just like, it wasn't on my radar to do this. But it's also so welcomed and has been nothing but amazing being here. And circling back to earlier in the conversation, I have no qualms with 
sharing that I live here. I have no qualms with being like, look at this. I don't own it. I'll be the first to say I don't own this place. No, I don't. But I'm happy. I've worked for this. And I want people to want to go home. I want people to travel and then if they want to travel and then be like excited to go back to where they live. And I also feel like my members before I said, if there's any guilt that I feel that my action item is one, express gratitude. And then two, think about like, what can I do? And for me, it is showing up. For me, I do believe that me showing up, because people have told me as well that I will show up and that helps them, inspires them, gives them permission to go after what they want. So it's a, just a different form of visibility. Yeah. Yeah. I saw this quote the other day that I loved and it was the highest form of self-care is building a life that you don't feel like you need to escape from. Which is the whole truth and also so wild. Like, I just think in general, if we all COVID was another time, that reason, whatever, that COVID was great, was helpful, good, whatever. It was it was the great pause. It gave people time to say, do I want this? Right. I get that right now shit is too expensive. Life is so expensive and people are just doing whatever they can to like make ends meet and pay bills and things like that. And so they don't have the time to be like, is this actually what I want? It's pretty wild to me that simply going after your happiness and being happy is like a radical act. And I'm like, what? But it is like it's in the United States anyway. But it's because people don't have any, they don't have a moment to sit and ask themselves, is this what I want? And again, circling back to anyone that's been socialized and raised female, nobody ever asked you. Literally. Nobody ever asked. So you ask, sometimes you ask women and I'm like, what make, what do you do for fun? And they're like, what? What do you like doing? What? And I'm like, okay, we can start there. <laughs> like, we could start with that because no one's ever asked. You haven't been allowed to express that. So Yes, that quote is spot on. And I think if we all take a moment sometimes to just be like, it's wild that just being happy is radical. And how do I feel about that? And what am I going to do about that? Yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy, even like the idea of not having kids or like the decision to not have kids. It's like there's like a selfishness almost like it's weird. I guess it's becoming more of a topic that's discussed now and it's out more. And, you know, there are a lot of people kind of like shutting down the people who poo-poo other people who don't want kids. Um, there's more dialogue around it, which I can appreciate, but it's like, it just, it, it it's like, I don't know. I think that one of the things that, if you listening to this, if you're ever brave enough to go and express your opinions on social media, you will see that you're not alone. As crazy as your radical will say, as your view may be, you're not alone. And so the lesson here, part of the lesson from like a business perspective is when it comes to social media, you want to build the following, be willing to say the things that other people aren't willing to say. They are thinking the same thing. They're just waiting for somebody else to say it. Why? Because again, safety, people want to be part of something. They think if they say something, other people won't agree with them. They're going to be outcasts. They won't have that social network. We are social species. But the kind of like nugget in there is that other people are thinking the same things. They just haven't really expressed it. So when people are sitting here and they're just like, I'm the only one, and I'm like, you're not that special. And I say that in the most loving way possible because other people think that, and they've always thought like that. It's just that voices get silenced. We kind of just go with whatever like white, some white man has been saying, and like that's the decision. There's lots of people who don't want to have kids. There's lots of people who have kids and are like, I love this kid, but also. <laughs> There's also lots of people that have kids and love it. It goes across the spectrum. And I think that if we, if everyone takes a moment and is like, what do I want and why do I want it? And am I okay with why I want it? Things would be so different, right? It's not just what do I want because sometimes what you want is because somebody else told you you're supposed to want that. So it's what do I want? 
Why do I want it? Am I okay with that reason? If you know that it's because your mom wants that for you and you're okay with it, go. Go ahead. That's totally fine. But we have all these shoulds that came from like people just not expressing what they actually want because they've been silenced or they told you it wasn't okay. Like there's many, many people who don't want to have kids. I have these discussions about, I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this. We are not as unique as we all want to think. And I think it's a phenomenal thing. Except me. Well, except for you. I think I was about saying. Yeah. You don't even know what Doc Martens are. You're definitely <laughs> unique. I'm like, what? <laughs> Alex, what? <laughs> People love to, you know, have reasons for why they can't do things. And so they will look at me and talk to me and basically be like, but you're different. And I'm like, am I? Or is it easier to say that so that you don't have to do this thing that may be a little bit scary? My default has always been to think that other people think the same way as me, right? I'm just like, yes, other people. And so when they don't, I'm like, what? You don't think that? Oh, you don't think about what would make you happy? I've always thought about that. And I assume that you think like, like that too. So I think if we adopt that of like, I'm not this, you're special, you're amazing, wonderful, but like that we're not that different because we're not. And if we lean on that, suddenly it becomes, you're like, I'm sure someone else out there thinks this. Yes, maybe you have to be willing to like take some arrows if you're like going to be the first. But again, action item, if you want some change, like that comes with it. And then you will attract your people. You'll be on a podcast with two incredibly dope humans that live in the freaking cold, but have, you know, wildly similar values because you decided like, hey, what makes me happy? I'm going to share that. And lo lo and behold, that's what came to me as well. Yeah. And it's like then I was just thinking, I don't want to like go down a rabbit hole with these conversations, but they are so good. But it's like. There's a question too of like, what do I want now versus what I think I might want in the future? There's, but it give yourself permission to change. Yeah, I think you. If there's a that's a slippery slope, like trying to predict the future because you can't. You don't even know if you're going to be around for it. Mm-hmm. And that dude, to think that you have any idea what you're going to be like as a human being in ten years is foolish. Like I hate the, well, where do you see yourself in ten years? Question. I'm like, I see myself as do happy. That's where I see myself. Not answering this stupid fucking question, hopefully, yeah. because it's the worst. I hate that question. <laughs> we did we, so much. We asked that question to one of our prospective coaches who now works for us. And turns out she's great. But one of her questions was like, I think it was like, well, where do you see yourself in five years? And we were like, I know it's cliche, but like, because she's kind of finishing up school and like, and she was like, I don't know. I'm kind of like a feather in the wind. And I'm like, as an employer, <laughs> do you want to hear that answer? But also, I appreciate the honesty, and I have to respect that, mm-hmm. you know? Don't lie to me. We hired her. We hired her. Exactly. She's been awesome. Because they were like, you can be great right now. I don't know. The, we don't even, might not even have the business in five years. So, like, we don't know. Yeah. Like, Sometimes our financial advisor asks us these freaking questions <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, Kyle, you got to stop that. <laughs> that I don't know. I don't know. That's part of living my best life is setting myself up that I don't have to try to forecast that. I'll be okay. I just did a post not too long ago about this because I'm older than both of you, right? I'm 38. The the average life expectancy in the United States is 72 to 79. It kind of depends on what you look at, male, female. Either way, I'm at halfway. I'm like one foot over the halfway mark. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know tomorrow and to like sit there and try to forecast that. Yes, there's something to be said about like living in such a way that if you do live that long, that you're not going to be like destitute. Like there's some sort of planning and like that, that goes into things. But to be so focused on that and to make a decision right now based on that, it to me, I'm like, 
I got right now and I'm making the most of right now because there's no guarantee in tomorrow. And also like tomorrow isn't 70 more years. Like do it right now. Do the things, put the things in place because I'm not getting any younger. Exactly. No, I love this. How do we want to wrap it up? Maybe I'll ask this question or there's two questions. So the first one is, what is the best piece of advice you have ever been given? I would say not necessarily that it was like said to me, but it was a feeling. And now I kind of say this is when someone believes in you, believe them. And I'm thinking about Allison, my mentor from Rock Tape, who believed in me and brought me on as like a PT wearing khakis and was like, just believe that I could do this and thought that I was bigger than I was. Like, that's like a joke we have where like, I'm not a big person, right? And people meet me and they're like, I thought you'd be bigger. And I was like, I thought you'd be nicer. But why would we say that? (laughs) But we get that a lot too. Why would you say that? I thought you'd be bigger. Well, I'm not. So here we are. <laughs> but she believed in me. And I took that that confidence. Like my mom's always believed in me. So I have these people that believe in me. And I took that confidence and I ran with it. So I would say when someone believes you, believes in you rather, believe them. Yeah. Personality and, adds size. It does. It does. That's what I say. It does big time. And also, like, if you happen to be lanky, people will, like, just assume that you're, like, going to be super tall. But yeah. Like, well, I thought you were six feet tall. Nope. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. So the, the second question, which you kind of answered, I think I know what you're going to say. What is your best piece of advice for people looking to, yeah, I guess, live their their best life? I would say take a moment and ask yourself, what do I want? Why do I want it? And am I okay with that? Dope. That's it. That's amazing advice. It's simple. That's all I got. The simplest solution is usually the right one. Occam's razor. I was going to say, is that Occam's? I'm like, what is that? But I was actually going to ask Alex who had said that, but you answered it. I gave it away. She probably wasn't listening, though. You could ask her. Who said that, Alex? What was the quote, Alex? Don't put me in that position. Of course I knew the answer. I have the best time with you too. And truly, I'm like just so grateful that you that you asked me to be honest. To me, this is a really big deal. And I was like, immediately, yes. Ask to prom. Like, just thank you for, for the opportunity to, to chat with you and riff with you and have these like very, very good, very good discussions. Yeah, like funny, kind of funny story. Um, we met you in in person again when I was at the LA Marathon in the spring. And we met for lunch and I think we were sitting there for like three hours just chatting and we could have kept going. But I was like, I got to get back to the hotel and like eat more carbs. <laughs> but it was so long and so it was so good. It's great. I feel like I, we could talk all day. Meredith out there just taking videos, people just walking up and asking about the camera. And I was like, please go. <laughs> this guy, you <laughs> remember the guy the that walked up and was talking about camera stuff for like 20 minutes? Dude, he only leave. talked about camera stuff because he wanted to tell you that he was an influencer exactly. and like, yeah, that he worked with exactly. famous people famous as a people trainer. Are, like, I was like, cool, man. I'm just trying to eat these fries. So. <laughs> yeah. Please continue. I accidentally like followed him online. So I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> and then I click on him. I'm like, it's you. Oh, <laughs> I unfollowed him. Guy. <laughs> Yeah, I think I followed him because he was hawking over me. So yeah, I was like, right I there. follow. <laughs> he was like, follow me. And I was like, yeah. this is all Meredith. I panicked. I don't have Instagram, sir. I don't know what that is. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, well, thank you for your time. And we enjoy these conversations as much as you do or more. My pleasure. Truly, truly honored. You are a big 
piece of our puzzle and a big influence on us and you continue to be so that that line about when someone believes and you believe them like I think you're definitely that person for us probably more than anyone else dude that's awesome you paid that forward and then some for us so that's an understatement yeah you were a big a big mentor and like not even like mentoring us by giving us information there was that but it also just yeah the belief and like the excitement for us and yeah, I think it's amazing. Yeah, I don't think I can express my gratitude enough for that. Dude, I had no idea. And that's, I, I'm honored. That's it. Honored. Truly. Damn. <sighs> well, I guess we'll leave you alone. We could probably sit here for like three hours. <laughs> we'll leave you alone. <laughs> this could be our longest episode to date if we wanted it to, but we'll just do a part two and then a part three and then like a part 20 eventually yeah. it'll be like on my podcast 100 times by then yeah exactly one we'll to just, five ratio one to five we'll alternate anyways yeah well thank you for your time thank you for being a, a great friend and supporter and just someone who we really get along with well my pleasure thank you again <laughs>